0: Hey everybody! Hey everybody! It is Wednesday on the most insane news week of all time. Uh, thanks for making the show pop in the rankings. Uh, just a lot to talk about. A lot of things going on in the world, mm-hmm. and today will be no difference. This first story is going to be a story that captures the public's imagination for the next two or three years as this goes to trial. Complain- Explain the completely. first story. This is Agreed. bonkers.
1: Cannot wait to, wa- wait to watch this show on Hulu. It is one of the craziest financial stories since Bernie Madoff. Archegos capital owner, Bill Wang, getting arrested today, along with his chief financial officer, on allegations that he hid billions in risks from banks and then caused massive losses, including, I believe, $20
0: billion of his own money in two days. It's bonkers. And bonkers. this is a level of fraud and detail that you you shouldn't understand. And we're going to go into detail about how these frauds uh, occur and some theories. But yeah, this this is a, a crazy, crazy case. And the crazy is not limited to public markets. It's happening in private markets as well, Molly. The <laughs> one click checkout startup, Bolt founded by our pal, friend of the show, Ryan Breslau, who uh, you remember uh, said the in- entire industry is uh, run by the against mafia him. here. It's all against him. It's all a conspiracy. Not only is YC against him <laughs> and venture capital <laughs> and Stripe, it also turns out Forever 21 and their parent <laughs> company are against them. Their largest customer is suing them, claiming they lost a hundred million dollars in lost revenue because Bolt software is terrible. And, and they're kind of accusing them of securities fraud because they're saying that Bolt claimed when they raised money that they were being used by brands that the Forever 21 parent company didn't even own yet. It's a
1: hot mess. It's a hot mess. It's a good, let's just say it's one of those uh, lawsuit filings that you like to read word for word.
0: It's, uh, this one's gonna, gonna be the gift that keeps giving. This is gonna get uglier before it gets cleaned up. It's my prediction. It's a fun day in business stories, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Crazy is on the menu.
1: (laughs) Crazy is on the menu. It's also earnings season. Google, Microsoft and Meta. We got all of them. Google and Microsoft were going to go the deepest on they reported earnings for the first quarter of 2022. We dug up the interesting points from those. And yeah, no, we're not talking about that one story today. Not at all.
0: And one has a 30 PE, one has a 20 PE and one has a 12 PE price to earnings ratio. We'll explain why each of them has that. Also, Apple is finally allowing people to repair their own goddamn iphones and equipment <laughs> the right to repair has uh, been embraced by apple good move apple
1: it's arrived and more good news gm rolling out an ev corvette for those of you who get Hell, tired of us yes. drooling over cars well this isn't your day
0: <laughs> and we got to go to the track with those ev corvettes Hey, shout we out to too. my friends over at chevy molly and i will do an entire episode on the uh, electric corvette get us on the track we will absolutely give you airtime to get behind the wheel of that car. Yes. it's going to be a great show. Stick with us, please. Stick with us vroom, all. Vroom, 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 vroom.
2: This week in startups is brought to you by Cyvatar. Implementing cybersecurity for your startup can feel overwhelming and expensive, but it doesn't have to be that way. Cyvatar is startup-friendly, fully managed, all-inclusive cybersecurity subscriptions. Twist listeners get their first two months free at saivitar.ai/slash twist. Odoo. Odu is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever, and right now, Odu is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odu.com/slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twist. And Coda. Coda is the all-in-one doc for teams. If you've got a stack of niche workflow tools or if you're buried in docs and spreadsheets, Coda is the doc that brings it all together. Startups can get a $1,000 credit at Coda.io slash twist.
1: I am obsessed with this story, and I just cannot believe the twists Mm. and turns that we're about to go through today. And I know you think that I'm talking about Elon Musk and Twitter, but (laughs)
0: not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Craziest month in tech ever. Ever. Since the iPhone launch.
1: Phenomenally, Mm -hmm. that story has been replaced. By right. news today that okay. Bill Wang of Archegos Capital has been and the CFO of Archegos Capital have been arrested, arrested for concealing billions of dollars of leverage that led to the firm Archegos Capital collapsing last March. Now, we're going to have to catch you up because this is a beast. I don't know if you were paying attention last March when Archegos Capital sort of abruptly all of a sudden burst onto the scene, losing $100 billion. Uh, in something like two days, Bill yeah. Wang himself lost $20 billion of his personal fortune at that point when uh, they got Archegos got a margin call okay. in 2021. So Bill Wang was uh, what is known as a tiger cub. He mm-hmm. formerly worked at Tiger Management, not Tiger Global for its original founder, Julian Robertson at the time. It was reported that Archegos was trading billions of dollars on over 5x leverage.
0: Okay, we should explain what leverage is. Yes, please. And we should explain what a margin call is. So many things.
1: We're going to have so many things to explain so here. So, leverage, I'll do leverage, yep.
0: is if you have if you're a trader and you have a billion dollars, they might let you trade 2 billion dollars worth of stock because the stock has some inherent value. And then they can margin call you if the stock goes down and you have to cover it, they force you to sell it. Mm-hmm. So if you had a bill, you know, a billion dollars in Google shares, and then you said, I'm going to lever this up, I'm going to borrow money against it, I'll buy another billion in Google shares. Now, if Google's going up, now you're making twice as much money, right? And so people are allowed to use uh, leverage. Yeah, and I think this was a little controversial right? with Robin Hood having leverage in mm-hmm. their product, rich people have had leverage for since time uh, for for a long time. And obviously these big funds, because the underlying asset has some value. Now a margin call is when you are using this leverage, but the stocks are going down and at a certain point, a trigger goes off. And the bank who's giving you that leverage loaning you that money to to against your stock holdings, at a certain point, they have the custodial ownership of your shares. Mm -hmm. And they just start selling them. That's liquidating them. That's when you get liquidated on a margin call.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And normally, people are allowed to have 234 x leverage. And this is, you know, something that um, is quite normal and effective for people if they want to be aggressive. And you know, in an up market, it doesn't matter in a down market. Boy, does it ever keep going? Right. So it's sort of a form of debt,
1: right? I mean, leverage is debt, they're borrowing against it's a loan, right? There we go. And then a margin call is like, hey, we want our money back. We're a little get we're getting a little squirrely. We'd mm-hmm. like you to go ahead and reach to top up that account, put it back,
0: right? If you and don't buy it, you could you if you if it did go down, like let's say you had you had 1 billion in Google, you've now bought another billion, you have 2 billion, and it goes down 25% you now have 1.5 billion, you could come up with 500 million in cash, right? So some people in a company might have a big war chest over here, and they're levered up on their investments, but they have some cash over here, where they can liquidate some other asset a home, a, a business or something to cover it, right?
1: Yep according to the sec complaint uh that is part of the sort of pile of evidence against Mm -hmm. bill wang at its peak archegos capital was managing 36 billion dollars with 160 billion dollars of exposure four and a half times leverage so just spending like they say in top gun his mouth was writing checks that his body could not (laughs) that his portfolio could not cash and so
0: if this was you put 36 billion dollars as a down payment on a bunch of real estate, Mm -hmm. right? And then you had this other, whatever that would be, the difference would be 124. This other 124. And you considered it a mortgage. Okay, well, you have the underlying asset that has been appraised to have a certain value. So if you just think about it in the mental model as like, a building, they bought the, uh, the Sears Tower or something, and the bank could take the Sears Tower here, and the Sears Tower might not change in terms of its value that often whereas stocks can change quite rapidly as we've learned Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. continue
1: so archegos at its peak again essentially trading on a hundred to one leverage on a massive scale and and here's where it goes wrong made some bad bets built up huge positions that we'll talk about later Mm -hmm. in some bad bets when the firm imploded it caused billions of dollars in losses for Wall Street in a single day. I mean, it was just, in fact, evidently, uh, you and the besties covered this in real time on the all in episode 28 as it was happening, because it was it was a
0: it was a day, it was a big deal in the finance industry. But obviously, it takes a long time to build a case. And so the SEC, I guess, was building a case. But what's really crazy about this is, he only had like 1.5 billion in assets back in March of 2020. So that 36 billion he was managing and then got the 160 billion of exposure. I think it was eventually they found out he actually had $1.5 billion of actual capital. So he was at a hundred times leverage. And how that occurred is what I think this case is really about. He Mm -hmm. was doing some sort of fraud here to get even more leverage. The swaps,
1: which we'll yeah, we'll yeah. we'll explain the swaps in a minute. Okay. But yeah, it sounds like so he, I think
0: everybody's following us. I think this, you're following mm, it's this maniac did like very complicated ten mortgages on top of one house. Yeah, is what we're about to reveal. At least exactly. Here's a problem a lot of startups face: they need cybersecurity, but they don't have the staff. To implement it or to manage it so if your startup is overwhelmed with thousands of different services and you're looking for a simple and cost-effective starting point Cyvatar makes cybersecurity effortless for startups and smbs they have all-inclusive subscriptions that you can cancel anytime and solutions for your business so you can close more deals get compliant faster and gain customer trust and they are a preventative service not a reactionary one This means they find problems before they happen, not after. Cyvitar offers all-inclusive, fully managed cybersecurity as a service, a free platform to analyze and report on your cybersecurity, a member experience team that ensures satisfaction, flexible payment plans that you can cancel anytime, and it can get you up and running in 60 days or less. So here is your call to action. You can use Cyvatar's freemium version right now at no cost. But if you want to upgrade, you can get your first two months free at syvatar.ai slash twist. I'll spell it one more time for you. Get your pens out, get your phone out and get ready to type. C-Y-V-A-T-A-R dot AI slash twist. So on the day it happened, Credit Suisse lost five and a half billion dollars.
1: Morgan Stanley lost a billion. UBS, Switzerland's largest bank, lost 774 million so on Wednesday, today, as we're recording this, Bill Wang and his former CFO were arrested and mm. charged with what the New York Times calls, quote, orchestra- orchestrating a stock manipulation scheme that relied mm. on them masking and concealing the enormous risk the firm had taken on. They face Crazy. racketeering, conspiracy, and wire fraud charges.
0: Yep, that's where they get them. The, <laughs> always get as, them on that wire fraud. Always get them on the wire fraud. <laughs> Got them the, on that. The racketeering's great, though. That means it was more than one person or I think it's two or more people planning um mm-hmm. to do a crime is like when they get you on racketeering it's multiple people conspiring to commit the crime interesting um, yeah i love okay. the racketeering it's just racketeering got great, it's got a great sound to it it's you know? very wire dramatic. fraud it's like wire fraud what did you do you, you sent a wire you weren't supposed to you you move some money around but racketeering it's like you're shaking something up right i like a, i like a good racketeering and conspiracy it always These it also sort of charges. suggests and we
1: have no idea right but it also sort of suggests like there's a there's a possibility that others could
0: go down like maybe anybody who knew wire fraud i mean you could commit wire fraud today anybody can commit wire fraud but to racketeer run a conspiracy (laughs) that's that's elite
1: level (laughs) in the now immortal words of producer nick wire fraud is (laughs) chump racketeering is big boy it is very big boy all
2: right well here's that on a
1: t-shirt here's here's crazy quote right the sec complaint says from at least march 20th to march 2021 Mm -hmm. march 2020 to 21 Okay. Wang purchased on margin billions of dollars of total return swaps. This is where you okay. come in to explain what the hell the total return swap is, which it seems like okay. Arkegos kind of invented.
0: Okay. So these things I don't fully understand. These are like when people start doing derivatives and stuff and mm-hmm. make weird synthetic trades, but these swaps basically allow investors to take large positions while posting very little capital upfront, basically borrowing from investment banks who buy the shares on their behalf for a fee. So there's a lot of fees associated with this. And then these swaps also allow them to remain anonymous, uh, because the shares are being purchased by the banks, not the firm. And so when you do that, you could be pumping your stock that you already own. So what was happening here? Is He was buying the stock on margin, building these big positions, and then also doing these swaps. And so he was trying to prop up his trades according, if I'm understanding this breaking news correctly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think so. Yes. It also seems to have allowed him to build the 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 mechanism of the swap seems mm. to have allowed Archegos to build up massive positions in individual stocks that they didn't have to report
0: which drove up the prices which drove up the prices, which is the market manipulation that's i think that's the big crime here okay yes
1: that in theory is is him basically the problem here and it's funny because we have some you know very educated noties who are Mm -hmm. like this is just what happens on wall street and the banks love this and they were getting the fees from the swaps and it was all great it seems to be that the allegation is in, in fact in hiding the amount of risk because then when it all blew up it blew up in the on the order of billions and billions. Mm-hmm. There's and a whole complicated thing about short squeezes that yeah. they would do. This is where they're accused of sort of trying to manipulate mm-hmm.
0: the market. Yep. And a short squeeze, uh, you know, pretty, we, we saw this with GameStop, et cetera. There's mm-hmm. a small amount of shares available. Everybody starts buying them. Nobody sells them. The price starts going up. The person has to cover. As they cover their short, they have to buy the share, give return it to the person they were borrowing it from because they're betting that it goes down. By covering, they're increasing the price. So it's very painful, which is in fact what might be happening to Bill Gates with his shorting of, say, Tesla, which if he shorted it at 300 a share and it ran up to 1200, maybe it's at 900 now, whatever it's at. We'll get to that later, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, that can just become problematic because if you cover your buying, which is you know, uh, making the price go up, right, almost universally. So uh, th- this is just
1: crazy stuff. I mean, it's and, bonkers. Yeah. It's just bonkers. And the, the quotes from the SEC filing are just absurd, right? Wang's goal was to induce other traders such as short sellers or other market participants to observe active trading in an upward price movement at the share prices of certain issuers, blah, blah, blah. One of the most con- the other reason that I find this fascinating is that one of the most concentrated positions Mm-hmm. That Wang held was in Biocom CBS, ah. uh, my former parent company. Yes. And I had a lot of questions. I mean, because well, so, there are so many fascinating things about this, not least of which is the fact that this is like a family office mm-hmm. with very little oversight that that Bill Wang himself, like Archegos means like Greek God or child of light or something or leader. Well, yeah, and and he would he have lots of prayer.
0: Did you so, yeah. ever watch the videos of him talking about Jesus? No. Like whenever anybody's like making videos of themselves talking about Jesus instead of like just going to church and like just quietly, you know, being dedicated to your religion, like it gets really weird. But this Viacom stuff was really gnarly. It's uh, wild, yeah. The SEC alleges yep. that Wang tried to induce a short squeeze on Viacom 19 different times, and he would do this before the market's open. This drove the price of Viacom CBS From forty bucks a share to ninety-seven at its peak valuation around March nineteenth, twenty twenty-one. So that means Wang had a ten billion dollar stake in the media firm, um, which would have been seventeen percent of the company at Viacom's peak market cap during the run-up. And then Viacom announced a three billion dollar secondary share sale, which led the stock dropping twenty percent. And then he himself basically got squeezed. Yeah. So that stock collapse all the way back to forty triggered the original margin call. So. He was playing really dangerous games. And uh, this feels like, I, I'm I mean, trying to remember the scale of the Madoff uh, fraud. Yeah. Is going to look, I think, smaller than this. And actually, with the Madoff stuff, when they look at the money put in, not the fake gains, but if you just look at the money put in, I think people generally netted out to what they had put in. So there was enough there in the markets going up with Madoff that people kind of, you know, if you put in 100,000 of your retirement, you might have gotten your 100,000 back, or something like that, from what I, I, I had read. Mm. But um, you didn't get any of those gains. So if he was perfectly getting you 12% a year, or whatever it was, and you thought you had 400,000, you didn't get the 300,000 in fake gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows what the total size of this is, because it's all these synthetics. So who knows what reality is here? Right. Um, but he's going to jail forever. Um, I mean, this might be a die in uh, jail kind of situation. And you have to wonder, were these banks who are letting him make all these bets uh, in cahoots, or were they turning a blind eye, Mm -hmm. or were they victims? Right. And I think that's where this is going to get gnarly, because how do you not know what's going on here? If you work at a bank that's loaning him and giving him margin and giving him leverage, come on. Yeah. Like, you must know what's going on. On the good side, we've had a number of bad actors and, and sketchy situations in the market over the years, and the market seems to be able to absorb something like this every, you know, number of years. Uh, I mean, but the market
1: does, yeah. did 100% just shake it off, which is pretty remarkable because I think on that actual day, it was, yeah. it, it seemed like it could uh, kick off, uh, you know, a cascade One of the other the the director of the SEC enforcement division called this a house of cards. We allege that Wang and Archegos propped up a thirty six billion dollar house of cards by engaging in a constant cycle of manipulative trading, lying to banks to obtain additional capacity, Mm -hmm. and then using that capacity to engage in still more manipulative trading. But the house of cards could only be sustained if that cycle of deceptive trading, lies, and buying power continued uninterrupted. And once Archegos's buying power was exhausted and stock prices fell. The entire structure collapsed, allegedly leaving archegos counterparties billions in trading losses. It is fascinating. Again, I'm going to point out that a lot of our Noti gang is like, this doesn't sound illegal at all.
0: Well, this kind of leverage is illegal, you can't have this kind of leverage put on 100 to one, whatever it winds up being. And for good reason, there are rules around leverage, I I don't know the exact ones. And there's supposed to be safeguards around this, we were supposed to have that because of the real estate bubble that burst in, you know, that uh, during the Great Recession. So there's supposed to be some here, but people can always lie, you know, like, sometimes you're supposed if you take out a a home equity line to like, ostensibly pay for college or redo your kitchen and bathrooms, but then you use it as the down payment on a second home, but you say it's your primary residence, so you get the better treatment and people have done all that kind of stuff in mortgages and that's what happened during the mortgage crisis the policing and you know the um diligence dare i say Mm uh got very weak because everybody was making money and it was like well this is a great party and it's like well yeah you're you really shouldn't drink that much and maybe you shouldn't imbibe so many of those substances like but it's a great party (laughs) right why not drink let's do more shots and then all of a sudden somebody passes out and gets alcohol poisoning like Sometimes the party gets a little too crazy, and that's apparently what was going on over there. Is they these guys just went nuts? Yeah, and, it, and you they just were... have to wonder, like, what? I mean, Molly, what's enough? Like, you're a billionaire. You're, you're making so much money. What? What does the incremental one to ten billion get you? Like, I mean, what does it just get you? About winning, right? That's just, just about maybe, winning. or some. This person's well, a sociopath. It, like, what is what point, are they, What's the goal here? You got a billion dollars. You have a plane. You can buy yeah. any steak you want. Yeah, you can go on any vacation you want. I just what I don't understand about people who get really rich and then do dangerous, crazy stuff that puts them in jail forever. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's crazy. Yeah, it is. Listen, when you start scaling quickly, your company needs to be run professionally. And Odoo is the software that helps you maintain control of your fast running business. Odoo suite of business apps let you run your entire company on one platform. This means you don't need to keep adding a bunch of different SaaS products. Everything you need is already on Odoo. All you have to do is turn it on when you're ready. Odoo has over 40 main apps and over 16,000 apps from their open source community. We're talking about sales, accounting, marketing, automation, HR website builders, and so much more. Plus, if you only need two or three apps to optimize your workflow, that's all you will pay for. Again, Odoo helps you streamline by running all your business apps on one platform. That means no more issues transferring data back and forth, and you'll have one customer support contact across all your apps, not 20. And the best part? Well, here's your call to action. Your first app is free forever. And Odoo is offering $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. Go to odoo.com slash twist for $1,000 off. That's odoo.com slash twist. It also pointed out, and I'm just
1: sort of fascinated by this as a side note, even though this isn't necessarily our show, but mm-hmm. this, speaking of rich people, like this also pointed out the fact that this was a family office and family yes. offices have very lenient rules around reporting. Yeah, it's their money. Despite, it's yeah. their money, but it's a $6 trillion asset class. It's sure. like two or three times the size of uh, like private equity or something like, something bananas like that. So it's yeah. market, mo- empirically, yeah, massively market moving amounts of money. Hmm. that effectively uh, i think one person on twitter said have regulations that could fit on a post-it and yeah, I, listen if you're I a family office that it's your money
0: change. you don't have lps you know we have lps where we do a syndicate other people are participating you know if it if it was just my i always i often often think about this which is kind of was the theme of axe capital um during the first couple of seasons of billions was was he a better investor when he invested his own money and was going crazy mm-hmm. and would take crazy bets? Or was he a better investor when he was being staked by other folks because he felt like he would be more focused because he had somebody to answer to, or he might feel guilt about the pension fund that he was investing money on behalf of and a lot of capital allocators have to deal with this. And mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes like if I am I being too conservative because I have other people's money? Am I doing too much diligence? Am I, you know, turning down deals that maybe are not tight enough? for me to want to syndicate to people. But if it was just me, I would make the bet because, okay, I, I know what I can lose. Yeah. And I've chosen to be very thorough in my process, as you've learned in your first four months here. Congratulations on your first syndicate deal being 2x oversubscribed, I believe. 2x. It's bonkers. Yum, yum, skis. Yum, yum, skis. I mean. Now we just got to get the founder to take the extra money.
1: I <laughs> know. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a good uh, VC Sunday school that we're going to have to.
0: Yes. We have more okay, money gonna for gonna you. Would you like to take a it? Pin in no, that. No, I like would like to money? take all the risk. No, i not having an extra million dollars. Sorry. But it is interesting, though, because mm.
1: yes, in the in the most at the most basic level a family office is just investing a person's money. But these family offices, first of all, they're just an exploding category. It's like there are more yeah. and more and more of them over the last decade. Increasingly are of a big enough scale that they're operating like Archegos. So they're interacting mm. with banks just the way that a hedge fund would or a financial a regulated financial institution would mm. in terms of. You know taking on leverage and being subject to margin calls all the same financial behaviors of a bank but with none of the oversight this, this is going to like here, change the, the way theory. wall street works this is going to change
0: maybe and maybe like i always think these regulations are short term and then they get loosened up in my experience like when people forget like well, they currently do like, there
1: forget. aren't any stills so.
0: <laughs> well here's the thing you would you would think if this is your family office The ramification of losing your entire family's net worth and going to jail would be enough of a safeguard to prevent you from doing crazy. But apparently not for this maniac. So then the question becomes Molly, do you create a bunch of rules for the 998 family offices that want to preserve capital for generations to come and are acting or good actors or for the two maniacs who decide YOLO, let's risk it all in the name of Jesus. I think you have those rules. To protect the person whose
1: money is being invested. Like this, Bill Wang doesn't have a fiduciary duty because there aren't any rules. Like well, you it's his money. If I were rich enough to have a family office
0: you and somebody be.
1: managing it a decade. <laughs> in a decade, I yeah. will want there to be
0: rules on the person uh, who's investing that yeah. money. Yeah. And you will you will sign every trade. So it would be as if you were well, yeah. th- in this example, you're Bill very true. You're behind and you're signing every rule that comes across your desk. So that's probably why they don't feel there has to be rules. It would be like, do you need to have rules for people to go play poker? Like, okay, or, or better sports. Oh God, you're like, so with the noties on this, you're just like, yeah. Well, no, I, I do think this is a sociopathic crazy person. I think the banks are the ones who are not doing their work. Mm-hmm. That's where I think this is gonna lie. Because you, you know what, you can't stop every crazy person from doing crazy stuff. Like I know crazy people. When I lived in LA, who were actors or directors or in the Hollywood set, and they would make some big payday for their TV show or movie, and then I'd watch them lose it at the poker table over two months, and then they go to another movie and <laughs> watch them lose it at the poker table. I'm like, think you want to put that money away? Like, who's watching your money? Like, this is crazy. All right. So just a little addendum here. When you put a swap like this on, mm-hmm. uh, a total return swap, they're called TRSs from what I understand. With a prime broker, you have to send them your full risk profile. So they know what other risks are happening. Okay. So the theory here is Wang lied to them by faking the reports. And then that's why the CFO was arrested. So they, to my point earlier, I think I was talking about like, how do the banks let this happen? In all likelihood, the TRS, the total return swap, you needed to show the other risks and they didn't, which to my analogy of, Mm Like maybe somebody got a second mortgage or multiple mortgages on the same house. People were doing crazy stuff like that during the the dot com. Or, I'm sorry, the um, real estate boom. So that that's what uh, these swaps are. Right. All right. Speaking of we, crazy, yeah,
1: I've got to wrap this up, right? I yeah, mean, you know, we do. We can do this all day. Let's move on. We're having like a little bit of law Twitter today. We're just having yes. fun with reading allegations. Bolt. Bolt is in the news again, and this no is that Ryan Breslow's company.
0: Yeah, I, it is. The mafia company? Here it is
1: Ryan Breslow's company, okay. which which everything that ever went wrong at Bolt was because Stripe and the Silicon Valley mafia well, stood up competitors to take them out. They never did a single thing wrong except for maybe this one thing.
0: Maybe this one thing. Okay, here we go. Bolt is
1: being sued by its what? largest customer for failing what? to deliver on its product promise and maybe allegedly committing some light securities fraud.
0: Light. Light. light.
1: Bolt is being sued by Authentic Brands Group, ABG, which is the parent company of retail brands that you have heard of, Forever 21, Reebok, Brooks Brothers. Huh. The lawsuit is really fundamentally about Bolt's mobile integration with Forever 21. Got it. The lawsuit alleges that Bolt failed to deliver on promised technology, lost Forever 21 over 150 Whoa. million dollars in sales. That's a lot of money. And here are some fun quotes from the article describing the lawsuit. Bolt has utterly failed to deliver on the technological capabilities that it held itself out as possessing. Mm. ABG described the integration with Forever 21's mobile app as, quote, disastrous. Whoa. And claimed it resulted in significantly fewer customers making purchases. Like, I think they're actually saying people would have made purchases. But Bolt screwed them. But Bolt screwed them. The suit uh, said that because of these technical issues, only two of the company's brands, Forever 21 and Lucky Brands, are using the software. And it goes on to allege potential securities fraud. Okay.
0: So they made a claim or something?
1: Apparently, uh, according to this legal complaint, Bolt, they say, raised funding at increasingly high valuations by consistently overstating the nature of its integration with ABG's Ooh. brands to suggest it had more customers than it did Uh-oh. and to convince investors to bankroll additional growth for Uh-oh. the startup.
0: We talk about this a lot. You've heard me talk about this with founders Uh-oh. privately. Uh-oh. Never overstate any metrics. Never massage the data. Never exaggerate. Never spin. The data is the data presented as such. Perhaps even be conservative. Mm-hmm. And give disclaimers unaudited data you know uh but if you're selling a security and you make a claim the person who bought that securities if the claim is later found to be not true and you did that on purpose or not on purpose uh you could be in a world of hurt a world of hurt my god the moral relativism in the naughty gang founders spin all the time it works okay well, <laughs> le- well hold on a second Let's define spin. Let's define okay. spin. So there is spin, as in our vision is to someday be able with one drop of blood to test for two hundred different uh, diseases, and uh, you know uh, to do to do two hundred different blood tests. Mm-hmm. That is our goal. It's our mission. It's our north star. Today. We can test if you have hepatitis with one drop of blood. And that is the start of our journey from one to 200. Now that is enthusiasm. That is, you know, uh, excitement. It's a, it's a audacious, big hairy goal. Mm-hmm. Totally permissible. Mm-hmm. Cause if I invested, you told me you got hepatitis and your test is as good. And if just to unpack it even more, if I said our hepatitis test in our trial, is showing extreme promise. Mm-hmm. We're at 86% of efficacy of te- other tests in the market. Again, 86% efficacy with one drop of blood versus a vial of blood within with a, you know, a, a needle and, and having to draw a full vial of blood. And you mm-hmm. could do this ultimately at home someday if we can get FDA regulation, all of those things I say have qualifiers in them. They're exciting. They're game changing. Mm-hmm. But there's a reality here. So if they lied to investors, you know who would know? Forever 21 would know mm-hmm. because they might have said, and I'm just speculating here based on my 11 years investing in 300 companies. So take it for what it's worth. I do not have inside information, it's pure speculation. My guess is somebody said, how many people made it to the checkout page? How many um, were integrated? Therefore, we have those customers. So, uh, you know, a hundred thousand people this month got to the checkout page. So, and they created bolt accounts for them. Right. Uh, yep. because they cookied them. Now, do they really have bolt accounts? Did they actually check out? They could say, you know, we now have a hundred thousand customers and nobody has the definition of customers. So that's when you start getting into funny business mm-hmm, and fun mm-hmm. with numbers. And you've seen this when you've been on calls with me and somebody says, we, I say, how many customers have they? have 97. I yeah. say, great. How many paying customers do you have? They say zero where they're on trials. And I say, oh, mm-hmm. okay. So you have 97 people. Uh, doing free trials, and I, I don't admonish the founder; I just clarify for myself, but in that instance, the founders kind of committed securities fraud if I were to invest and think they were 97 paying customers, because these were customers, not trials or users. So always, 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 always mm-hmm. be a hundred percent ethical and moral and conservative when sharing your metrics, because investors know these are works in progress, right And but I'm not surprised, people is what I'll say here
1: definitely do do this right i'm not discounting the fact that people do this and they say things are their customers when they're not their customers or there it's a, like they want them to be their customers or whatever but if you do that and then your stuff does not work and mm-hmm. then the company that is angry at you because they allege that you lost them 150 million dollars in sales is like i'm sorry wait a second you told investors that reebok a brand that abg had not even acquired yet <gasps> Oh, is using your software? Oh, because of your deal with ABG. If that's, that's true, a that's a lie. crazy
0: smoking gun. Wait yeah. a second. Oh, so that's being claimed as well. That's so we being even, claimed as well. I did my whole like theory here, but this is if this is true that they said they had Reebok as a customer and put them on the customer slide, and ABJ, the parent company, had not bought them yet. That would be knowingly. Uh, misleading investors if it was true. Yeah, in which case those investors could go back and say, I want my money back. I want damages, I want more shares, I would have valued the business. Taking Reebok out. If that was one of your top four customers, I would want a 25% discount on my investment. I want 25% additional shares.
1: Yeah. Um, So that would not be spinning bolt responded. This is the part where we should say bolt responded by saying that ABG's claims are without merit and that this was an attempt to renegotiate their deal. Mm. They also said uh, that any of these alleged implementation issues were not evidence of a failure of Bolt's technology. And that, in fact, ABG's complaint, that they essentially said it was user error. ABG's complaint doesn't show anything more than typical technical issues that arise mm. while implementing a product like this, let alone that Bolt failed to solve them where technically practical. And then here's a really interesting nugget in the lawsuit, which mm. states that ABG has the rights to purchase up to 5% of Bolt for $29 million, which would be worth $500 million at Bolt's Hmm. current valuation. So Bolt's new CEO, not Ryan Breslow, his successor, Maju Kuravila, had the following quote. It's clear that Authentic Brands Group has confidence in Bolt's future
0: as they are fighting
1: to own a meaningful percentage of our business. Hmm.
0: The plot thickens. So maybe they didn't want to let them buy those shares or something or they want to renegotiate that I'm I'm talking about bolt. Yeah, Um, but that's super complicated. It is not. um, It is not uncommon for uh, a strategic to ask to be able to invest or for a company that wants to land that strategic to give them warrants to buy those shares. So at the time 5% for 29 million might have been a great deal. And these could be warrants. What a warrant is, is you have the right over the next 10 years typically it could be five but i would say 10 typically to buy up to 5% of the business for 29 million dollars at the time the business might have been worth 20 times uh 30 million which would be 600 million so they said yeah you can pay 29 million you don't get the shares for free the company's worth 600 million right now incredible valuation at the time probably you can buy up to 5% that's a free option in case the company becomes worth 20 times more and when it is worth 20 times more, they can buy those uh, shares, even without giving the money and then just take the difference in the share price, etc. So there's all interesting ways to do that. So uh, fascinating. Uh,
1: it is I don't think it's I mean, it's very possible. It's not quite as clear cut as it seems. You know, when possible, you read yes. the like the, it's fun to read lawsuits. And they're always sure. um, there's always two sides. The they're story. always really juicy. Well, but three, I think that's three sides. Yeah, exactly. So your it's version, a, my version, and the actual reality. And the actual
0: reality, yep, yeah. exactly. If you're a startup, you know you have to save where you can. That's why we love Coda. Coda is one doc to rule them all. In Coda, your text and tables can live together in the same document. All of your valuable data plans, objectives, and strategies are in one place. Nothing gets lost or is out of sync and your team is literally on the same page. Coda works right out of the box and it's customizable and you can create a wiki for your team, onboard new hires from anywhere, adapt quickly to any major or minor changes in your business and there are templates for basically anything that you can duplicate and start using today. My guy Precious made a beautiful template for investor updates that you can go duplicate right now just go to thisweekinstartups.com slash investor updates. Investor updates are so important. If you're a startup, you need to send them. If you're raising another round, they're gonna be more likely to forge your update with permission to another investor who they wanna introduce you to. But if you don't send those investor updates, well, then you're gonna have a problem. Here's your call to action. Join the productivity revolution and sign up today for Coda. Head to coda.io twist and you'll get $1,000 in credits, so generous. That's coda.io/slash/twist to get a thousand dollars off. Thanks for supporting the show, Coda. Quick breaking news that okay, is here related. We breaking news. <laughs> I, yeah, I think this
1: breaking news. Well, okay. So the news is that Meta. <clears throat> Just say
0: Facebook. I mean, Facebook. I'm not going to call them Meta until they have a hundred million people <laughs> using that every day. <laughs> Facebook,
1: the the Facebook, the Facebook uh, has reported earnings. Q1 revenue up seven percent year over year. Net income down twenty one percent year over year. Uh, Meta stock up fourteen percent in after Mm. hours trading. Evidently, the expectations were super low because everyone hates them. But I also have to wonder if some of the news about Twitter has Mm. got investors thinking. Well, Meta is going to be the the social network of last resort for all those angry liberals.
0: (laughs) All one of They're all who are going leaving. to Instagram. The one percent <laughs> who have left for Canada. I mean, I do know one person who left for Canada if when Trump went, won. Do you know anybody who left L- for Canada? Literal when? Canada? Oh wow! I, I know somebody were... who moved to Canada. They were considering it because they hmm. wanted to have a you know a different lifestyle than America. They were in New York City. A good friend of mine. I won't say who, but he left and uh, he just felt you know the U.S. politics was dysfunctional. He was like, and then he also wanted a different lifestyle. And he also did the arbitrage. He had raised money in Silicon Valley and new york and then moved to canada to deploy it and was getting you know all the tax credits and lower cost of living it was a pretty savvy move um so it wasn't
1: really just that it was like yeah a lot yeah
0: but i mean the here's the thing about facebook the expectations were incredibly low Mm -hmm. seven percent year over year means the business is not contracting it's growing the income going down makes sense because of the uh headwinds of what's happening with uh, apple apple and yeah. uh, making lookalike alike audiences and tracking of individuals arguably the best advertising business look-alike audiences or, or technology since google search mm-hmm. so and they're also pouring money into this um you know into the headsets and everything like that so maybe people are thinking it's bouncing along the bottom it's pe is 12.7 right now
2: mm.
0: so uh, that makes them a really good deal. I know. So I think this is like buying a tobacco company or something. Insane, you may want to hold yeah. your nose
1: and just buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's buying a tobacco company and lots of different. That's a very apt metaphor.
0: I knew people who, you know, were climate folks and, you know, obviously did not believe in cancer. Kind of hard to be pro-cancer uh, and be anti-environment. But they had a juicy, uh, they made lots of their money through inbe- investing in those those plays. I, mm. It's pretty cynical, but... The cynical play would be it's 12 PE and it could go to 25 again. So you might double your money. You never know.
1: Um, Quickly, Google and Microsoft also reported earnings yesterday after the markets closed. So we can, you've probably seen some of that news, but we'll break a little bit of it down with our special flavor.
0: A little flavor here.
1: Google is a bigger story. And I think this, again, is so interesting compared to Meta because Google reported in some ways like kind of fine earnings. Yeah, but yesterday, pretty good. yeah, yeah, it was actually like pretty good. Yeah. But yesterday, after the markets closed, Google was down as much as 7% at one point. It's down about 3% today.
0: Yeah. So year over year, it's 3%. Year to date, what is it? About 20%, over
1: 20%. 20. So that's a $400 million loss in market cap just uh-huh. since January 1st. Yeah. And that is on these numbers, total okay. revenue up. year over year. On a major number. On a major number, $68 billion. That was, and Wall Street hates this. It was less growth, 11% less growth compared to the year prior. Net income was Mm -hmm. $16.4 billion, down about 8% year over year.
0: So, yeah, tiny tick down. um, And, you know, if you look, it's really interesting to watch uh, what's happening with YouTube and uh, search people don't realize this, but YouTube is at 6.86 billion, mm-hmm. you know, rounded up to 7 billion and, um, searches at 39.5 billion, rounded up to 40. Uh, and what you're seeing is, you know, YouTube is a very significant portion of the revenue, but they missed on YouTube by 500 million. Yeah. Um, and so ad revenue is actually down quarter over quarter from Q4, which is not uncommon because of the big push to spend money during the holidays. Uh, But is uncommon for Google, which, you know, so that's a seasonality thing. But Google has been such a a juggernaut. Uh, Their cloud business, 5.8 billion, I think, 45% year over year. So that's great. Their other bets are meaningless, 440 million.
1: (laughs) The the YouTube miss is interesting because YouTube is sort of trying to find its way as Mm -hmm. a TikTok in the world of TikTok, right, which is short and super fast moving. And YouTube had leaned heavily into longer form content to put more ads in there. Now they're admitting that the growth of of shorts, YouTube shorts, which is now averaging over 30 billion views daily. Is it really? Wow. That is going like crazy. We
0: need to do more shorts.
1: We definitely do. It's four. I mean, it's that's four times higher. Those views as a year ago. Wow. But they're saying, yeah, and we even have a clip if we want to play it. The growth of shorts has had a negative revenue impact on YouTube.
0: Okay. The ads don't work as well.
1: Yeah, ads don't work as well. And they can't get as many in there because it's only however long. All right, let's listen. How many seconds? 24 seconds. Question, we're experiencing a slight headwind to revenue growth as um, Shorts viewership grows as a percentage of total YouTube time. We are testing monetization on Shorts and early advertiser feedback and results are encouraging. uh, And the team is focused on closing the gap with traditional YouTube ads over time. So we're excited about the new opportunities with Shorts, but a slight headwind.
0: Yeah, so I can explain that. Here's what's mm-hmm. happening. It's a new format. Mm-hmm. The new format is growing. Advertisers are always a couple of years in terms of the content format than the creators. The creators are the avant garde. They're making these short clips. They understand how to make it in a tall format as opposed to a landscape. All the ads in the world are made for TV format landscape. Now you're asking some creative agency, okay, I need somebody to look close up to the camera. I need you to make these really hard cuts and make them look like, you know, whatever. And you need to make ads that work in that format. Well, it's going to take them a couple of years for these agencies to figure out how to sell soap or a Mm -hmm. a movie. You know, like, how do you sell a a Marvel movie in a stand-up? Well, I've seen Marvel ads or other ads for TV shows or Netflix in TikTok and in that format. They look because they're, like, trying to pan or do this stupid stuff because a beautiful Marvel film is not meant to be shown in portrait. It's meant to be shown in landscape. Mm -hmm. But people are not turning their phone sideways, you know, uh, on TikTok or in this format. So yeah, it's this is just an adjustment period. And so I I think it's a short term uh, pain in terms of advertising, because more users are using this, it's going to be a long term gain, because maybe that format could be even more effective
1: oh i think so it's yeah. a long-term gain in terms of competition because clearly tiktok has shown that people just want to like burp, 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 burp just Ugh, turn this through uh, tons and tons and tons have of you short watched videos. enough
0: tiktok to get the warning where the person's like hey you're a piece of shit you've been listening you've been watching too many tiktoks you need to go to bed no i that's know a producer thing. rachel's gotten this producer rachel have you <laughs> i don't know if she's on the show today maybe she's out <laughs> i don't know producer rachel
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So wait, really?
1: Yeah. It'll come oh, and yeah. warn you and be yeah. like, whoa, whoa, person, Peanut, you got to go to bed.
2: Pops you can up, come
0: on right? air, producer Rachel. People yeah, love come it. on right. and tell oh. us about this. Yeah, okay, producer. I, like, pop just pop I told you to yeah. be camera ready, everybody.
2: I am. I'm good. We're going to go. So okay, yeah, okay. great. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no hoodie.
0: No hoodie. Okay. So yeah, wait, no. <laughs> it's 1 a.m. Take me through it. How? What's the longest you've been watching TikTok after midnight? How many minutes before they give you this warning and tell you Listen, you need to make better life choices or choices, Rachel.
2: <laughs> it used to be something that would go like, "Stop," and like it, like really, really abruptly stops you, right? And it's like a per- like it looks like it would be a normal TikTok. And the first time it happened, it's kind of jarring. The longest yeah. I was ever on TikTok though was during the pandemic, um, and I was doom scrolling, and it was like two or three mm-hmm. in the morning. And I've gotten to the point too where it's that person has popped up like multiple times. Really, um, it's like an hour that you have to be on it consistent. But I deleted. <sighs> TikTok since then had a TikTok break and redownloaded it, and now don't have any notifications. Don't get that person anymore. But I think it was 2020 where, where I, I saw I've that. had it
0: happen, and yeah, it is uh, it is like a, a a feeling of shame, Molly. I, it I can't it's even like imagine. It's like you've yeah. wasted 45 minutes yeah. of your life. You could have been sleeping. You could have been crisp for work tomorrow. You could have spent time with your children. You could have read a book <laughs> instead. For 45 you minutes, you've been yeah. watching garbage and you can't remember one of these videos they've done nothing to enhance your life in any way
1: is it Unless- so sad that now i want to try it like now i want to <laughs> see if i can trigger the person to tell me it's this pretty is what great. i mean when i say i'm a sleep achiever i've never had this happen because bedtime is yeah. serious business i'm I, um,
0: I, I gotta delete tiktok and all my social media is in a, in another couple of weeks because i'm going to start the the finish in the book and i'm taking a major break i'm just going to put buffer on my phone so i can post out But not actually load the apps. So I had Buffer. It's like a third party app. Buffer is a really cool third party app. A free commercial for them, but it's like ten bucks a month. It will let you post like five places at once. It was like Posttris, Gary Tan's first company. Thank you, Priest Rachel. Um, And so Posttris was very cool. You could email an address, and it would put the photo on your Tumblr, your Instagram, and your Twitter, and your you know WordPress blog. Now with Posttris, you can like have five different Twitter handles, LinkedIn. So if you wanted to say, like, hey, I'm going to be in New York next week, you post it through Buffer, you put a time, you can schedule it, or you can just do it live, and then it posts it to everything, so you don't need to have the app. You just post from Buffer,
2: but wow. you don't load the app,
0: so you I don't consume. So yeah, you, everybody needs to take a break from these services at some point. They're they're not healthy. Um, I would like to have, like, the ability to set a limit for myself. I guess you can do that, but oh so just back to youtube for a second Mm -hmm. uh molly as we wrap that up and google here's my theory uh a lot of people uh plowed money into google during this like recent downturn because it's a safe haven Mm -hmm. and uh you know over the last year it's basically trading at the same price now and if you look at the five-year chart you know like yeah they wiped out a year of like crazy the last year of growth but it's still trading at an amazingly uh uh, great. It's still at 20 at PE for a predictable company. Yeah. So if we look at Facebook, 12 PE, you look at Google 20 PE. It tells you the story. People are much more bullish on um, Google long term, Google long term, and the search you, is not optional.
1: I mean, yeah. this is like, I've been waiting to be proven right. And maybe I never will be long term. But I have been saying for years that if one of those two things were going to go away, it would be the one that's optional and search is not. And fundamentally, you know, if Google is sticking to organize the world's information and they're going to provide search and content around that, like that's not optional. But yelling at your anti-vax or anti on Facebook is.
0: I don't need Facebook. I I log in like every one or two months and I'm just always disappointed when I get there. Um, And if you look at uh, Microsoft, it's trading at a 30 P.E. ratio right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're up 11 percent over the year. They're down 15% year to date. um, And maybe we just give a quick capsule of their results, which have been fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, Microsoft proving that business software is also not optional. Uh, Let's see. So Microsoft also, I want to jump right to the Azure to the cloud business, because we noted that Google's cloud business is $5.8 billion, right? That grew Mm -hmm. 45% year over year. Yep, Microsoft's cloud revenue, is $23.4 ah,
0: billion dollars. and mm-hmm. more focused, right? They have, they have inroads into businesses. Google has inroads into advertisers. That tells yep. you everything.
1: Yeah, Absolutely, Azure and other cloud services increased 46% year over year. The $19 billion of that revenue was from intelligent cloud up 26%. LinkedIn revenue was up 34% year go over LinkedIn, year. Go LinkedIn,
0: our biggest sponsor, I believe. go, Let's go LinkedIn, we LinkedIn.
1: love LinkedIn.
0: The yes. silent storm just getting her done Talk Net about a great purchase i mean is there anybody who has made a better series of purchases than microsoft over the last couple of years like let's go through it right linkedin okay, so we got linkedin uh, github minecraft GitHub, minecraft was and they're that doing activision studio. now activision mm-hmm. we said minecraft didn't they buy another big gaming studio as well i mean and they bought skype that was kind of sideways oh right they bought the elder
1: scrolls game studio they've been buying. Mm. A lot of game studios, like quieter, smaller ones so, that we so haven't heard smart. of either. So yeah. smart.
0: Um, and uh, yeah. Fantastic. Congratulations, Microsoft and Microsoft trading at a 30 PE ratio. So when you look, 30 2012, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, how do you interpret that, Molly? Well, you interpret as stability and predictability of that revenue, which you absolutely pointed out. If you had to list those three for a business person, Microsoft, is essential. Yep, <laughs> the cloud, etc. And for video gamers who are into that world essential hard to live without. Google very hard to live without. I don't think I can live without YouTube at this point. I don't think I can live without search. Of course, I've tried all the other search engines. It's disappointing eventually. Um, although I will say, um, I have been pleased with using other platforms for writing content. So I do think like the office suite, and some of those things I see yeah. young companies are you know, going from Office to Google, from Google to Notion, Coda, Grammarly. I think Grammarly's got to play to actually not just correct your grammar, but I I told them, like, why can't I edit a document in Grammarly? Mm kind of love their interface. Um, I would love to make that my hub of, you know, documents, um, but they don't have multiplayer. Uh, So, yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Facebook, completely fungible and not essential. If you told me Facebook and Instagram were shutting down tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, can I download my pictures? Uh, I have them all probably on my phone and my, you know, already, but yeah, maybe I could. So that is so funny that you say that because that is the only reason I haven't downloaded Facebook because I just can't can't be bothered trying to
1: figure out or turned it off, right? Like I don't, I'm sorry, turned it off. I still have it, but they make it impossible to download my freaking photos and there's a lot of them that in there that aren't anywhere else. I know there's a way but I can't be bothered to figure it out and I still occasionally use Instagram so I haven't deleted the account.
0: Here's what I do when I'm on on Facebook. I look at my main feed and anybody in my main feed who I haven't had a meal with or talked to on the phone, you know, had a real conversation with in 10 years or five years, I just unfollow them. I unfriend them. And I try to unfriend like 50 people in my feed. So my feed actually starts to look a little bit better Mm because I was in the era when all these things came out. One of the reasons I became uh more well known is i put an intern full-time for 10 bucks an hour on literally going into my social media accounts and following everybody mm. and uh, it just people were like oh jason calacanis found me who's that it's like i don't know i have to follow him back and it was like a really good technique at <laughs> Thanks, the time guys but uh yeah here you, there's all it's kinds not like dirt. i can't find out it's that i don't have eight minutes to yes. go and do it it's, I it's just like 20 I like st- look at how many like steps a- it is it's like go here hit settings go to here do this and then that we're going to make your information you and zip. download it's this and like- then.
1: Deselect all and then click on the photos and videos and then, and then choose kill, the range. Uh, yeah, and by absolutely. the way, then this is a posted in-
0: And bang your hand with the hammer three times, break yeah. your knuckles. And then, yeah, it's-, it's The last step requires you to switch to available copies. By the way, I
1: guarantee this was published in January. I see, I'm sure that Facebook has changed that it's already changed to make it simpler ways. for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, and they it's put brilliant. a
1: blog post about how it's going to be easy. However, Nick makes a really good point that Facebook's most influential product, the only product in the arsenal that might not be optional for people is WhatsApp. Mm. That is true.
0: Yeah, billions of users. Global. Yeah, I it's uh yeah WhatsApp has got a global phenomenon. I agree. Yeah, uh, you know, and they had that thing where it was a dollar a year. Remember that like little device they had a dollar a year. Uh, they were charging people or something. No. Uh, yeah, WhatsApp had done an experiment. I think they had six hundred people paying a dollar a year or something, which their way of like getting people to put money in there for the wallets. Okay. Mm. Hey, I saw people dunking on Manscaped. Uh, and I hear Manscaped ads on uh, Nick Fan TV, my favorite YouTube channel, uh to talk to long-suffering Knicks fans. Shout out to CP the franchise. Uh, <laughs> this company is a consumer company, mm-hmm. uh, and people were saying it's not making any money. But there was a kind of a debate on Twitter. Walk us through Manscaped, which makes yeah. male grooming products. I'm they I just went public.
1: I'm, this is one of those ones where, like Nick, put in a bunch of math, and I'm hoping we can explain it for people. They re- Manscaped released. Uh, it's Q4 and 2021 full year earnings on Friday. Style note okay. I always refer to companies in the singular because the company is an entity, not a they. Okay. It's an it. Got it. That's, that's true. the pronoun. Okay. Yes. Um, the consumer grooming brand Manscaped disclosed some key revenue statistics. For example, it has grown quickly since its launch in 2016, now claims 5 million men have bought its products. Revenue increased mm. from 65 million in 2019 to $210.7 million in 2020. And then some more, $297 million in 2021. The so a triple and
0: then a 50% increase. Yeah.
1: So like slowing down. down, but big numbers. Got it. Slowing down. So we don't know uh, the number of employees increased from 49 in December 31st, 2019 to 199 at the end of last year, 2021. In 2020, Manscaped's gross margin was 50%-ish, but the, apparently its margin is falling.
0: Hmm. Uh, the well, here's an interesting note, though, just back of the envelope. Yeah, yeah, if they true. have 200 employees and they're making almost 300 million, they're making 1.5 million employee, which uh, is, like, think two and a half times what Twitter makes per employee. Just in terms of efficiency, <laughs> <laughs> not to dunk on anybody, but they're making revenue per employee. Now, again, it's a physical product, so it has less margin than software, yada, yada. But that's pretty uh you know strong on a per employee basis Not yeah bad.
1: no pretty good and then uh the gross margin fell some mm-hmm. in 2021 q4 when you may recall there were lots of supply chain things fell to 44 percent, which again on hardware doesn't seem that terrible right to me this could be a result of increased manufacturing and shipping costs that we saw across the globe and could sure. be from manscaped's new product launches
0: the supply chain issues. Impacted supply them, chain I'm issues. Sure. Yes, we all had that. Yeah.
1: But here's uh, where it gets sort of interesting. And this is the part where people start dunking. Like, none of this seems like a giant red flag on its surface. However, mm-hmm. then we dig in and discover that Manscaped's $315 million net loss mm-hmm. was driven by about $310 million in stock-based compensation costs. Right. And they accounted... For the stock based compensation in their adjusted EBITDA, which they claimed was break even at $5.1 oh. million. Okay. So let's dig into this. is like when, when we work invented community EBITDA. It's not that
0: bad. Okay. We need a new way but. to define community, Rivka. Why not <laughs> Rivka. have pictures in the S1? That's why we did it. That's why we put the pictures in the S1 because nobody's done it. Nobody's done it. And nobody's and so done it. That's why EBITDA. we did it.
1: <laughs> adjusted EBITDA we would have been profitable Rivka, if Rivka. we did
0: not have to pay people stock options
1: so many uh, stock options so people on twitter were calling out manscape for this terrible adjusted EBITDA yeah. calculation
0: i don't i don't understand have a with it is I, this okay. funky accounting or does I it matter i don't think it's funky accounting listen if you're you give people stock-based accounting and that is not the actual nuts and bolts of the business right that's mm-hmm to get people to incentivize them to stay at the company and to bring in talent, I guess, ultimately, on an accounting basis that is coming out of the other shareholders. Um, But I think looking at the actual um, spending and profitability of the business is what's important, the growth rate, the revenue per employee, etc. So, and sometimes these are like, uh, large balloon payments that happen to executives during IPOs, etc. So you could have like the CEO got a hundred million dollar grant or a fifth, you know, the CFO got a $25 million grant. So usually you net those out to understand the actual business. Not, not a terrible business is what I would say. Um, So congrats. Yep. We'll find out over the next couple of earnings if they're just paying King's ransoms uh, and diluting the cap table by giving so many shares to the employees. And that's really what it's about. If you own 10% of this business, if you were ahead, if you were like an endowment or some big, you know, fidelity or something. You own 10% of the business. Yeah. Well, if they give 20% of the business to the employees, you now own 20% less shares. If they were doing that every year, kind of sucks, right? Because you've got a headwind of more shares are being issued to the employees. Now, if they're issuing them to better employees who have better results, maybe you take the 20% hit on the amount of shares out there in the dilution because the business is growing 50% a year Mm -hmm. and they got great people, you know, in those seats. So you'll find out over time if they overdid it with the stock comp. Yeah. We shall see.
1: All right. Well, then two little news lightning round news items that I think are super interesting that we can't leave for tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. one of them is that Apple is finally acting on its right to repair uh, program. Explain what a right to repair is. So right to repair is the idea that if you buy something, Mm -hmm. you should be allowed to fix it. And a company should make parts and manuals available. Yep for you to be able to pick your get ga- pick fix your gadget instead of saying only authorized repair shops can fix this and you can if you open it up you'll void the warranty apple has been the worst offender here yes. so up to and including making proprietary screws that require proprietary screwdrivers this is i'm not making that up so apple announced that it would start a right to repair program everybody was really right. skeptical and now it's happening they're issuing right. actual iphone parts and tools great which Good. can be
0: purchased by anybody you could fix your freaking phone and put a new battery in it when the battery dies or if if you don't live within you know the distance of an apple store you know somebody could set up shop in their garage and fix your phone for you this is the way it should be yeah uh let people fix it if they want to it's better for the i mean i really think it's better for the environment so if apple's gonna talk the talk they gotta walk the walk and they do walk the walk when it's convenient to them which is oh, we're not going to give you your charging brick be and your headphones anymore, because we know you already have those It's better for the environment also happens to be better for our margin. Exactly. Well, because you're
1: gonna buy a new one Then you have for to $29. do some
0: things that are worse for your margin, like letting me order a kit to fix my screen instead of going to the store and paying you 100 bucks and I can do it myself for 50. 100%. And then one so last good. piece. Good for oh. a, I say good for Apple. I they wish I they didn't have to do it under pressure. Um, and then I understand some people don't want people screwing with their technology or some things you shouldn't do. So there could be some things that like maybe you can't take your camera or the battery apart because and be under warranty because you're going to break it because right. it's not possible because it's glued together or something. Well, like but swapping screen, out the battery is obvious. Remember when you remember when you could buy an extra f- battery for your BlackBerry? I'd buy three extra yeah. batteries and I would keep them charged in my backpack. I never had a dead battery. You know, Remember now when you own. could
1: put a freaking SD card in your freaking <gasps> phone instead of paying Apple $300 a megabyte or whatever they're charging. These yes, days.
0: that's something Apple. Hey,
1: Don't you know what crazy
0: EU to my friends in the crazy EU, right? There's something crazy for you to do. Force them to use a USB-C and to have a, an SD card. Yes, do it. Do it. And I will order my iPhone jack. from Europe and ship it here to have those two
1: features. Oh, my God, I totally would. And then finally, speaking of you ordering stuff, last bit of good news. What's that? Chevy's making electric Corvettes. What? Oh, oh, the in. reason I
0: would—I am so drooling over that. But ho, and one more thing for Apple for yeah, the punch yeah, yeah. list, and you can clip this and give it to and somebody. Can clip this yes, and go ahead stuff. and reaggregate this. Hey Tim mm-hmm. Cook, it's Molly and J Cal. Congratulations, hey, yada yada. We love you, Tim Cook. Great products. We we spend a king's ransom on your stuff every year. Three things. Number one, SD cards. Number two, USB C on the iPhone USB-C for ASAP. Number three. I've bought so many lightning cables with you that will go in the garbage at some point. How about free dongles or a $1 dongle that lets you plug the lightning into that little dongle, little tiny thing on the tap, and Mm -hmm. changes your lightning into a USB-C. I've bought these on uh, Amazon from third-party sellers, and you keep breaking them and turning them off. Exactly. But Molly, I was taking my little anchor charger that was USB-C to lightning, And they're bringing this little dongle with me, one cable to unite them all. Or I'd have like the double that I have and the triple. But I would keep these extra ones. So when I wasn't, when my iPhone was fully charged, I could turn my lightning cable into a Mm USB-C. And they keep breaking it.
1: And they keep breaking it. I mean, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Tim. Get on a standard and stay on the standard.
0: Or let us use a dongle, Tim. And just produce it yourself. Or here's a genius idea for you, Apple. When you sell us a lightning cable, do what Anchor did. Attach to it a little dongle with the USB-C. Yep. Now, if you own an uh, iPad and an iPhone, I could bring one cable with me. Or with my kids, they could do their old iPad, which uses lightning, and the new iPad, which uses the USB-C. In other words, save the goddamn environment. You guys are so green. Seriously. If you're not going to do it, stop blocking other people from doing it or just do it yourself.
1: Yeah, you. The, I don't like there the is enough margin and enough premium pricing in these products. If you're going to charge like two to seven thousand dollars for a laptop, you don't need to be nickel and diming us. Yeah, with this, like, stop nickeling and
0: diming us. Fix the us. cables fix and the use the standard. Use the standard. I can't wait till they make the iPhone USB C. Yeah, that's going to be game changer. I,
1: I mean, literally, I know that we've you have solved this with the little anchor thing, but I still can't believe that it's three different cables to charge my phone, my watch, and my laptop. Because now I have the MagSafe on the left. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, it's good. it's. A, are if, you kidding me? Just USB-C everything. Get it together. Get it together. All right. And then on the Corvette, pull up the Corvette. Stand right for me, please. An orange, or well, here we go. Here's a video of the electric one. They're going to make a hybrid from what I understand. Then I'm going to go full electric. And, you know, listen, I want to get a Roadster 2.0. That's going to take a couple of years, I understand. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
0: but uh, the Corvette was my first love as a car i mean i had a 73 mustang grande 351 cleveland i love that car but then i had a corvette c6 in yellow convertible that was my dream los angeles car and i really would love to own a corvette again in my life but i refuse to buy a car that's not electric yeah that's the promise i made to myself no more non-electric cars yeah and so i want to buy a jeep wrangler or a Cybertruck when those are available and if corvette you know, never it makes an electric car. I would consider it. I'm a Tesla mm-hmm. guy, but I would I would love to have a Corvette for a couple of years and and go through a, another midlife crisis. Beautiful, It's absolutely beautiful. Like get it done, get it out, get, get it, out. it done. Well, you know, and this is I tell you why this is so important. Corvette fans are like loyalists, like they're like BMW for life fan kind of situation, or Audi people, like they're nutcases. And so this is bold, like this is like mm-hmm. the last muscle car to fall to EV. Like they mm-hmm. did the Mustang, they screwed that up because they didn't make it look like a Mustang. But Corvette's saying, hey, it's a Corvette. It looks like a Corvette. It's the same as the other one. And we're going to make it electric. You know what? The performance of this Corvette's going to be bonkers. And oh, hey, you may be even be able to have a trunk <laughs> or some room for stuff. Right.
1: Because uh, you but, can have a trunk. I'm not saying show that the Corvette Stingray. stone cold smoked uh, an obnoxious Dodge Charger getting onto the Bay Bridge last night. But uh, I'm only did. saying that once in a while, yeah. when you put that EV torque to work, Oof. it just brings a smile show the to your corvette
0: face. let me just show this to molly show the corvette stingray uh 2023 z06 just
1: oh that and if you can show gorgeous. it in
0: orange this thing is making the uh supercar world lose their mind again because this thing is under 100 grand and it's better than a lamborghini i know it's Ferrari. the affordable
1: supercar yeah my, my, my kid that. and i talk about Zoom it all the time on, Look at it's got to
0: be the 2023 one that's not the 2023 you don't know, think um, and you want the Stingray specifically. But anyway, you'll you'll see some photos coming up here for our notice. And this Z06, it looks like the just a crazy looking car. It is so gorgeous. Yeah. That's the car I want so bad. Yeah. Look at that. Ooh. I'd imagine
1: that in electric, like zero to oh, 60 in like would just sub two me seconds. Going to Tahoe
0: in that? I'm mm. I mean. <laughs> Going to LA in that? Mm. Summer. Summer Tahoe. Summer Ooh. Tahoe. Car. <laughs> I, I, I want to get a convertible one. I mean, the thing is a beast. Look at those flares with the air intakes. I mean, oh. it's just... And what those air intakes do is not just cool down the engines and everything. It creates grip. So it pushes the car down onto the road. Oh, I loved my Corvette. Can't wait. All right. This has been a great show. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Hey
2: everyone, producer Nick here.
0: I want to tell you about the SaaS syndicate. If you're a founder of a SaaS company with a product and market, our investment team wants to talk to you. Head over to thesyndicate.com slash sas S-A-A-S to apply to raise from the SaaS syndicate. And you can join Jason's syndicate of over
2: 9,000 accredited investors at thesyndicate.com. Producer Justin here. Know a cool startup? Check out openscouting.com where anyone can refer a startup to our investment team here at launch. Even if you don't know the founder, if you're the first to flag a company for us and we decide to invest, You'll get 5K in cash or 10% of our carry. Hey everybody, producer Rachel here. Are you an early stage startup that has product and market, some traction, and are looking to raise at least $500,000? Apply today to Remote Demo Day for your chance to pitch to over 9,000 investors in Jason's Syndicate. Submit your application at remotedemoday.com. Our next event is on April 27th. And if you want to learn how to invest in startups from the world's greatest angel investor, and no, we're not talking about Chris Saka, then head to angel.university to apply. The four-hour workshop costs $300 and all proceeds are donated to charity.
0: To date, we've donated over $175,000 to various charities and you can see the full list at angel.university slash charity.